0: Hello, my lovely listeners. I'm Dr. Mary
1: Barson. And I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. Welcome to this episode of
0: Real With Health and Weight weights. Loss.
1: Good morning, Mares. How are you today, darling?
0: I am wonderful, Dr. Lucy. Super, super excited about sleep.
1: Oh, I know. It is. Do you know, I mean, we have this lovely phrase called sleep yourself thin. We probably could even change it to sleep yourself healthy because sleep, oh, what a foundation.
0: I love sleep. There's an enormous difference between um, how I feel on the days where I get a lovely night's sleep and the days where I don't.
1: Absolutely.
0: Actually, I had a bad night's sleep on the weekend. We were camping. And some of my lovely fellow campers were just really loud. I think they forgot that tents uh, do not really provide any sound protection. And so I was experiencing sleep deprivation on Saturday morning the worst I had in ages. And all these things, I felt cranky, I felt hungry, I had sugar cravings, all of these things that I know you're going to talk about. But it was very interesting for me to remember what it's like to be so horribly sleep deprived.
1: Mm, it's really unpleasant. So um, I will talk a little bit about the physiology of sleep without getting too kind of boring, although you could if you wanted to listen to this episode just before you go to sleep. Maybe there's a lovely (laughs) hypnotic suggestion there that sleep is good for you. Like everything we talk about, sleep is a hormonal process. You need your hormones to be balanced in order to go to sleep. Now, these aren't your metabolic hormones. They're not your female or male hormones. They're actually your sleep hormones, your circadian rhythm. So the circadian rhythm involves mainly two hormones, which are melatonin and our old friend cortisol. So melatonin is our going to sleep hormone and cortisol is our waking up hormone. So those two need to be functioning at the right time in the right quantity for us to be able to initiate and then stay asleep. So I think in this modern day, and when I mean modern, I'm actually just talking since the invention of the light bulb, but added to that the invention of the internet and the mobile phone, we've had these huge disruptors to our hormone. Mez, do you want to elaborate a little
0: bit more on that? Yeah, absolutely. So... Again, I like to think of things through an ancestral lens. So we humans, we're a diurnal species. That just basically means that we sleep during the night and we're awake during the day. And this is how we evolved. Our sleep-wake cycle, our circadian rhythm, is in sync with the rotation of the earth. So our little bit of the earth we, we rotates around and as we face the sun, it's daylight, we're awake, all of our, our circadian rhythm hormonal signals are saying be awake, be awake. And then as the earth continues to rotate and our little bit of the earth faces away from the sun, it gets dark and then all of these wonderful hormonal processes are triggered by the dark and then tell us, okay, beautiful human, it is time to go to sleep. And then we sleep through the night and then we wake up again in the morning as the earth rotates around again. So we're in sync with this 24 hour day and the electric light bulb was invented about 150 years ago. And Since the advent of artificial light, we have been able to completely screw up our sleep-wake cycles with the use of modern technology, which is bad for our health. So many important aspects of our health hinge on the circadian rhythm. I like to use the analogy that all of our hormonal systems are completely dependent on every other hormonal system in our body and there are so many different hormones and players in our body and it's like an orchestra if you can imagine every single hormone has its unique role to play in this beautiful symphony of our physiology and the conductor the conductor keeping all of these uh, of this hormonal symphony in time and on track is a circadian rhythm. So, you know, very loosely what happens is at night, our melatonin levels start to creep up and up and up and up and this happens as night falls and as our melatonin levels go up, we get sleepy and a whole lot of biochemical processes happen in our brain and our central nervous system and we fall asleep. And then our melatonin levels gradually decrease throughout the night and our cortisol levels start to come up. So we've met cortisol before as our stress hormone but has other important roles to play too. It is also our waking up hormone and cortisol levels start to get higher and higher. They often peak around 5 a.m., 4 a.m., 6 a.m. It's different for different people. And then that cortisol level spiking is the reason we wake up in the morning. And on and on the cycle goes.
1: So, the thing that happens is that when we're sleep deprived, now it's interesting because I used to think sleep deprivation meant, you know, like four hours a night or something, but it can be as little as six hours is considered sleep deprivation because humans need between seven and a half and eight hour and a half hours of sleep. And six hours is neither of those numbers. So, There's actually studies that have been done looking at chronic sleep deprivation, remember being chronic being prolonged sleep deprivation, and what they do is they increase insulin resistance so that people who sleep less than they need to have basically shut their shed, just to short track the analogy. So, again, you can just go to bed, sleep more, and improve your insulin sensitivity without doing anything else. So that's an incredible benefit just there. But the other thing, and Mary mentioned when she was tired and hungry, and tired and hungry, first of all, you're tired because you're sleep-deprived. You're hungry because our hunger hormone, ghrelin, which again, if you're listening to this and not sure what we're talking about, that we mentioned that in our first couple of episodes, Ghrelin is our hunger hormone and it's increased when you're sleep deprived. So the idea of tired and hungry is simply because you haven't had enough sleep. So we really love the idea that in order to help your weight loss and improve your metabolic hormones, all you need to do is go to bed we have this lovely saying that humans are the only species who voluntarily restrict their sleep. Cats don't. They sleep wherever. Dogs don't. Horses aren't out there on their iPads. Humans are the only ones to do it. And it has major consequences. But Again, so simple to fix. The first thing you have to do, though, is go to bed. But, mayor's people are often resistant to going to bed. What do you think that's all about?
0: Yeah, I think there's quite a few reasons. One, I reckon, is quite common is the idea that, you know, when the kids are in bed, when everything's done, the dishes are done, it's all all the household chores are completed. That is your time. Now, for the first time all day, you've got a bit of time to yourself and this time can feel really precious. It can feel really important. And I think that is a big block people are reluctant to go to bed at a reasonable time because they will miss out on their whatever it is they want to do with their time. They're alone time. This was totally me. This was totally
1: me. And the other thing was that guy going to bed, that meant your next thing was going to be getting up and the whole hamster wheel starting again. So the longer you could sort of have this precious time to yourself, it was like you could delay the, the whole thing starting. But it, it's really, it's unmagical thinking because tell me, when you're sleep deprived because you've been staying up, having this precious time to yourself, the hamster wheel Will is much, much harder.
0: Mm. Yep. And your hormones are much more out of whack, which makes everything worse. <laughs> yeah, so life's hard and your
1: hormones are out of whack. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so um, some of the things that we talk about, and I guess we probably need to mention this as another part of the lifestyle, you know, chronic disease epidemic, is sleep apnea. So sleep apnea is, it's a new condition. It wasn't around 50 years ago to the levels that we are seeing it today. Mez, do you want to explain a little bit about what sleep apnea is?
0: Yeah. Really common and really important that we address this. So, sleep apnea, apnea is a medical jargon word which means absence of breath, not breathing. So, sleep apnea is exactly that. It's when people stop breathing when they're asleep. And this often happens with uh, people who are overweight or have obesity. And that's a major risk factor for it. And what happens in sleep apnea is that as we go through various levels of sleep, as our body gets more and more relaxed, we get to a stage where our muscles become quite relaxed. And if the muscles of the throat relax, and for people who have risk factors for sleep apnea, including being overweight or obese, but that's not the only risk factor, then there's extra pressure. On the throat and it can close over and the windpipe or the trachea can actually get blocked and people are asleep and they're not breathing and then what happens you're still asleep but not breathing and then obviously this is not a safe way they can't stay like this so as a person is asleep and not breathing their carbon dioxide levels in their blood are going up and their oxygen levels are going down but it's actually the carbon dioxide levels as they get up and up because you're not breathing you're not breathing it out then it actually wakes the brain up not completely people don't completely wake up to the point where they're aware and go oh gee I'm not breathing that doesn't happen they just wake up enough so they get some more muscle tone and then <gasps> take a few deep breaths and then go back to sleep and then go back down into a deeper sleep where they start stop breathing again, and then they get woken up. And the cycle goes on and on and on and on and on. And the problem with sleep apnea is it's dangerous. It puts a lot of pressure on the heart and the cardiovascular system having this increased carbon dioxide, decreased oxygen, and also you don't get down into the deep levels of sleep. So people get a very poor quality of sleep. So if you think that you might snore, if you've got risk factors for sleep apnea, if you're sleepy during the day, if you're tired, if you are someone who can fall asleep watching the telly, reading a book, or just fall asleep sitting down and looking at the wall, then you really should talk to your doctor or your GP about it and get tested. Absolutely.
1: And I think that people are resistant again. We use this word resistant, Doesn't it's not a criticism, it's just an idea that it's hard to make this step forward because sometimes the outcome is that people might need to wear a CPAP machine, which is sort of a mask thing that you wear overnight, which basically forces air into your lungs. So it keeps your throat and trachea open. But the thing is, as we've talked about, when you don't have proper restorative sleep, it also affects that insulin and the metabolic hormone profile. So you're in this sort of cycle of insulin resistance causing fat storage, making your body store more fat, worsening your sleep apnea. So the idea being that sometimes a CPAP machine doesn't have to be permanent. You can have a CPAP machine, you can, you know, change your lifestyle, follow a low carb diet, get your insulin down and find that actually you don't need the CPAP machine anymore.
0: People actually can learn to love them when they actually experience a lovely, true, deep sleep without the sleep apnea. People can be absolutely in love with their CPAP machines. I have seen that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I think that brings me to a a thing that I, I used. So a technique that I used when I was particularly when my kids were younger and I was a younger, a younger mum, not wanting to give up my, you know, last minute of my alone time, was I started reframing the way I think about sleep. So instead of my thoughts and you'll be listening to my tone here because this is really part of the thought model again, instead of my thoughts being this is my last minute to myself, I don't want to get up in the morning, it's all going to start again, I changed them to, oh, my beautiful bed, it's where I get restoration, it's where I get to rejuvenate. In this beautiful sanctuary, this lovely, comfortable bed, I can just sleep myself healthy. And so suddenly bed, and again, you know, like we talked about last week where breathing and meditation doesn't cost a scrap, it costs nothing to go to bed. It's free. So I often think, imagine if you'd invented a medication, a tablet, a pill that could improve your insulin. sensitivity it could reduce your ghrelin in the morning it could repair all your cells that have been damaged during the day it can restore your stress responses and improve your parasympathetic hormones and then make you thin imagine how much money if we could patent that drug i'd be off lying in my hammock in bermuda or somewhere perhaps even in australia (laughs) since we're not allowed to go anywhere, because we would make a fortune. But instead, what we're telling you is you get all of these wonderful benefits, deep, restorative, rejuvenative sleep for free.
0: Yep. And we don't make any money telling you that.
1: <laughs> no. No. We're not linked to anything.
0: And in <laughs> fact, <laughs>
1: there's nothing to link it to. I guess a bed. Do I have it? A- yes. Any bed manufacturers. <laughs> but... This is it. It's so simple that just really focusing. The first step has to be, though, it has to be giving your body that opportunity to get at least seven and a half hours sleep a night. The thing that will often interrupt us doing that is honestly the the screens. The screens, the recent screen epidemic is, is really one of the major drivers of sleep deprivation
0: absolutely so lucy we talked about prioritizing sleep like just actually you know going to bed is one of the most important things that you can do what else can people do to help them get to sleep and to improve the quality of their sleep so The
1: first thing is, again, work with the circadian hormones that we've talked about. So in order to improve your melatonin levels in the evening, you keep your lighting low so that we don't switch it off. You put your phones and um, laptops away before you go to bed. Television does have some light, of course, but most people don't watch telly the way they look at a screen. It's further back. So that will help you improve your melatonin. The other weird thing is that for some people, the act of putting on socks, so warming up their periphery, also boosts melatonin. Then we're wanting to keep cortisol low throughout the night and just allow it to start to rise at its natural rate. You'll notice if you're already stressed, you'll wake up at 3.00. And that's because a three o'clock cortisol does start its little rise. And if you've already got high baseline cortisol, you'll be awake at three as you sort of pass that threshold. But in order to keep your cortisol low, it's really about having very dark lighting. Cortisol responds to sunlight. So if you've got any light in your room and you're struggling to sleep, turn it off. We also know that getting sunlight during the daytime is a really beautiful way to keep your melatonin low in the day and then allow it to rise at night. And the light that we get from our, you know, incandescent or fluoro lights in offices and homes is minuscule compared to a dose of sunlight.
0: What's your favourite way to get your, your dose of sunlight throughout the day? Well, it's interesting. I
1: have to actively get sunshine because I work in an office most of the day. So there's a couple of things at lunchtime. If it's not super hot, like I wouldn't go out in a 40 degree day or something, then I might pop out only for a short time during the middle of the day. But my absolute favorite is really morning sun. If I have... If I have been true to myself and tried to be a morning person, which people who follow me know that that is my eternal quest to try and be a morning person. But one of the joys is that as a morning person, I can get up and spend, you know, 15 minutes out in
0: the sun at 7.30. It's beautiful. What about you, Mays? I'm absolutely the same. Well, I am a morning person, just naturally I am. You know, I am useless in the evening. If you want to get anything intelligent out of me after 7pm, you basically can't because I'm kind of, I'm switched off for the day. But the flip side of that is that I am awake and alert and up and doing before anybody else in my household, including the small puppy is up. So that's just me uh, And yes, they love the morning sunlight And indeed the morning sunlight is probably the most beneficial for our circadian rhythms Although any sunlight is good I take my cup of tea out there and just sit outside And know that I'm doing my body great good By doing nothing other than sitting and drinking tea It's fabulous
1: Wonderful Well on that note darling I might go off and make a cup of tea And actually go and pop myself out in the sun as well Great idea Good, darling. All right, well, I'll talk to you next week. See you later. Bye, sweet. So, my lovely listeners, that ends this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss.
0: I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. And I'm Dr. Mary Barson. We're from Real Life Medicine. To contact us, please visit rlmedicine.com.
1: And until next
0: time, thanks Thanks for for listening.
1: listening.